This bonus episode is an interview we did earlier today with Max Hall. It was initially released only to our VIP subscribers, but after giving them a chance to get the first listen, we made it available to everybody. If you'd like to get access to all of our bonus episodes and other VIP features, go to givemhillbrigham.com to sign up. Okay, we are joined now with Max Hall, and it looks like you're in an office. Uh, so I think everyone is pretty well aware that you and Ty Detmer and uh, your brother-in-law, Dennis Pitt, are all coaching at ALA Queen Creek. And it looks like you also work there. That's your full-time job, right? Like you are working. Are you just at the campus or, or are you in the district office or kind of what's your day-to-day now? Yeah, so I'm, I'm at campus. Uh, my official title is the assistant athletic director. Um, so I handle a lot of the junior high sports and then I help a lot with the uh, high school sports. Um, we just hired a new athletic director who is unfortunately having some bad health problems. So I'm kind of stepping up as the athletic director right now. So got I have a lot going on. I'm busy, but being on campus, being around the kids, not just the football players, but just the students in general and, and, and helping the other sports is it's fulfilling, man. Like I really do believe I'm doing what I'm supposed to and I'm where I'm supposed awesome. to be. So yeah, it's, it's a blast. Well, that was awesome. And I actually, uh, I currently, my wife is from Yuma and we're living there right now until our house gets finished up in Queen Creek. And so actually I've gone to a couple games cause you guys used to be in the same region of as Yuma Catholic. And she was like okay. one of three LDS students at the high school, <laughs> but, but the, so I I've been to a couple games and you guys have, I mean, you guys, what you beat Saguaro last week. Right. And that we- was, we that's almost a, beat him. Oh, you we lost. You, almost beat him. We lost. That's, good. that's a big win. But that's a huge, like, cigar. That's like playing for the people in Utah. That's like playing Tip View or Bingham. Like, that's a big deal. Yeah. And going from, you know, just a few years ago, you guys weren't even in AIA school. It was you were in the like CAA, whatever yeah, it is yeah. for the smaller like charter schools, like going basically from eight man football to knocking off Tip View or Bingham or East or, you know, Corner Canyon yeah. type program in just a few years is a huge, huge climb. Oh, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, Saguaro, I think they were 38th in the country. They were, you know, I think number two or three behind a few schools here, like Chandler, who's, I think, in the top 10 in the country. So, I mean, they're definitely a big-time school. Everybody thought it'd be a 60 to nothing, but, um, you know, we lost 20 to 14, and we were right there at the end. And so, more than anything, I was just proud of our kids. You know, they were bigger than us. They were stronger, faster, everything. But our kids played hard. And um, you can't fault their heart and effort and energy that they put into that game. So it was one of the only times after a game losing where I still kind of had a smile on my face because I was so happy with how our kids showed up and performed. So we're getting there. The program's growing and, and even losing a game like that. But being able to compete with some of the top teams, not only in the state and the nation, you know, it's, uh, it's fulfilling and I think we're on the right direction. So it's, again, it's, it's fun. I look forward to see how the kids come out this week. And they, you guys, you guys have a kid, uh, a BYU commit this year and Brooks Jones that yeah. I think kind of fits that mold a little bit of what you just said, Max. So kind of that, you know, he's smaller. I think he's relatively new to the game of football. What's he going to bring to BYU? I mean, he brings the fiery attitude, the underdog attitude. I think you have to, to hang with Squaro like that. What, what's Brooks Jones like for, for BYU fans who don't know much about him? Yeah, Brooks is great. So Brooks's older brother, Dean, is at BYU right now. And we have another player that is from ALA, Donovan Hanna, who's also at BYU. Okay. It was really cool to see them at the game on the sidelines. So, um, but Brooks, you know, he, he didn't even play football. He's a senior right now, and this is his first year playing football. 
And the offer to Brooks was, I think, based on his potential and his upside, which is huge. I mean, he's he's six 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 seven. He's got a big old wingspan. He's a really good basketball player. And, um, you know, he kind of has the, the moves and the jukes and he's good with his hands. So um, he just needs to continue to put on weight. And I think by the time he gets to BYU, gets in the college weight program, gets on their nutrition program and he can put on 30, 40 pounds, he's going to be a monster the end, I think. So um, he's already learned so much and improved so much this year um, that I think he's going to be a very solid player for BYU in the future. And that's, awesome. and that's kind of similar to what Donovan Hanna was like Donovan's beefed up and he's playing tackle now, but he was a six, six, 220 pound tight end coming out of high school. And so yeah. it's, you know, there's something to be said for just taking those athletes and, you know, just putting packing weight on them, mm-hmm. um, which we do actually in our agenda uh, here, Jeff actually pulled some pickers, which you've put on some weight, you know, it seems like you've channeled more of your focus. Like that's kind of a, your, your frustration is going. Whoa, 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 whoa. I- he, you can't say Max has put on weight. I've put on weight. You look at me. <laughs> I, I've put on weight. Max hasn't put on weight. This is something. This is Hulk. This like, is different. So we've got a picture that you posted at the gym with a couple of guys, and next to that photo shoot that you did with Dennis and Austin when you were at BYU. Oh, <laughs> and it's like guys, if you leave that those, one out of it. <laughs> if you look at those pictures, it's like you're not even the same person. <laughs> No, and you, you know, what? this is what it is. Um, one of the guys in that picture, his name's Chris Rucker. And oddly enough, I actually talked to him this morning. He reached out to me. He was a counselor at the rehab facility that I went to. And he was really instrumental in helping me. Like he would get my butt up and be like, we're going to the gym this morning. We had one-on-one conversations. And I just kind of like caught, you know, the itch of working out in a different way than you would work out to prepare to play, uh, you know, football season. This is all Mm -hmm. beach muscle lifting, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) But what he taught me is the gym can keep me sober, man. And so if it gives me something to, to release those endorphins and some, a goal to work towards. And, you know, here's the other thing, guys, if you look at that picture of my mugshot, I cringe every time I see it. I was, I was skinny. I was frail. I think it was 180 pounds at the time. Now I'm about 215, but I look at that person in that picture and I think to myself, I never want to look or like that person again. And so another part of it was changing my image and, mm-hmm. and you know, being physically healthy. And um, like I said, it just, it's one of the things that I have to do every day to keep me on track. And l- like I said, the gym can keep you sober, man. And I believe it. And I, I think it's important to kind of underscore, right, that all addiction is like addiction is a symptom of unmet emotional needs. Right. And so wherever you you can't just quit, you just, like you have to throw yourself into something good. And that's what you are doing with your foundation. You started an addict to athlete. Right. And it's you know, you found that like that worked for you. You know, there's other 12 step programs, different things. But you found that getting into taking care of yourself physically has been where you can take out your frustration and when you're having a bad day to go clear your mind. And so kind of tell us about what you are doing and kind of, I mean, I don't know, like how, how big is addict to athlete now? I know you have your agents of recovery podcast where you're going through stories and sharing those stories. So kind of what are you doing there and what is kind of the goal? Obviously, well, we know what the goal is, but what is kind of the process of, you know, getting involved with that? 
Yeah. So uh, Addict to Athlete is run by Blue Coach Blue Robinson, and he's been running that for years. And he's a he's a he's a therapist, and he's real big on that side of it. Let's run marathons. Let's mountain bike. Let's work out. Let's change your lifestyle of what it was before when you were an addict. Let's make a new you. And so I did. A, I went on his podcast. You know, maybe a year or so after you know, rehab and just really liked the guy and have always kind of stayed in touch with him and, and wanted to be a part of what he's doing. The other guy on our podcast, Brock Bevel has his own thing called chase the vase. And he's, he's a therapist and works with uh, other addicts to help get them into recovery and change their lives. So I did a podcast with both of them. And then Brock reached out to me and said, Max, I think we can help a lot of people. And I think it would we want to share this message and bring light on it and talk about it in a genuine and open and raw way because people will relate to it and we can help people by just talking about this and shedding light. So we, us three got together and said, yeah, let's do this. Let's start it. And that's how the agents of recovery podcast started out. So we're kind of, I'm kind of partners with not really partners, but I work with addict to athlete and blue and um, we've kind of connected Addict to Athlete and Agents of Recovery together, um, but Agents of Recovery, it's its own podcast. So the whole goal here was to help others. And, you know, we, we weren't in this in the beginning necessarily to make money or anything like that. It's like, hey, all us three have gone through this and we're some of the lucky few that have been able to come out on the other side. And we have an opportunity here to share our experiences and our story with other people. And so within a, within the first three or four podcasts, we started getting a ton of following and, and feedback of how much um, it was helping others. And, and the podcast isn't necessarily, we're not all the time talking about drugs and addiction. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've had episodes about relationships, communication, finding your why, leadership, and how that all connects into recovery and becoming a better person. So a lot of our followers too, haven't, are not addicts. Mm -hmm. But yet again, everybody knows somebody who struggled with addiction. And if you don't understand addiction, I think we do a really good job of explaining how it works and explaining what an addict's going through so people can better understand that. So that's the light we're trying to spread. Um, I think we stand up for and speak for addicts all over and uh, share a message of hope and, and uh, recovery that we you know, in our saying, you no longer have to be a victim of this thing of addiction, like you can overcome it and change your life around and be an agent of recovery, right? And so that's the whole kind of theme and process and uh, thought process of the of the podcast. It, it's such an awesome, uh, an awesome, an awesome cause, an awesome organization. Uh, I think a lot of people, a lot of BYU fans saw the fireside that you did in Utah County. I think it was up at Alpine here several months ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, just the the way I mean, this is a BYU podcast. We can we did delve into some spiritual stuff a little bit more, I guess. But the way that you're vulnerable about that in that kind of a setting, you know, I've always had this belief that you know, everybody has whatever demons it is, everybody's got them. If we don't talk about that, then they're just demons. But if we yeah. talk about it, then it's a really powerful, powerful story, a lesson, a whatever it can be for people who need that. And Max, your ability to be vulnerable and transparent about what you went through is absolutely inspiring. I, I've never been addicted, but I felt just emotionally connected to your story because of how 
transparent you were about it. So on behalf of everybody like me who listens to your show, who knows your story, just thank you for being that transparent. And, and we want to help that cause as well, because it's such a magnificent cause. Man, I, and I really appreciate you saying that because, you know, I had to decide early on how I was going to handle this and as public as it was and everything. So I decided, look, I don't think I have any other choice to, other than to own this thing. This is what happened to me. I'm going to own it. I'm going to be transparent about my mistakes. Um, and uh, hopefully I can turn this, you know, we always talk about turning the mess into a message. I said, mm -hmm. this, all this stuff is happening to me and I can't just let it happen to me without a reason or without a purpose or a way that I can use it in a positive light. And so every chance or every opportunity I get, um, I'll share my story. I don't, I don't necessarily like doing it. I don't like reliving that part of my life. Um, it's hard to do. I get emotional talking about it, but it, it's worth it to help other people like we keep talking about and, and the feedback I get from it. So yeah, I got, I got asked to do that fireside a few months ago and they ended up recording it because of COVID and they live streamed it and the thing just blew up. But I just tried to be honest this is what I went through. This is what I did. This is how I felt. This is what I did to overcome it. This is what I'm doing now. And it, it was a long, painful process of recovery. You know, we talk about stopping the use of drugs was the easy part. Yeah. Right. Like get diving into sobriety and facing your demons and, and digging up stuff and bringing things to the surface and being brutally honest with everybody. And um, I had to gain back trust of my wife and family members and friends. And so that was a long process, but it's a doable process. And that's what we want people to know who are struggling is that it is doable. You got to be able to be open and honest and do the work, but you can come out on the other side. And, and I think kind of, you know, also because we can hit on this, like Jeff said, because this is a BYU podcast, right? Like it's, that is that vulnerability right? Like I think you showed like in the scriptures when it says like talks about godly sorrow, right? Like it's, you were willing to take whatever consequence came because you wanted to make it right for your family. You wanted to make it right for everyone else that you love and that loves you and, you know, get it right with God. And that's, you know, like that is that level of vulnerability, right? Like in, in everything that's happened this week, I think that was one thing that just kept coming to mind is right. Like it's right. Like the church, right. Everything like you've repented, you've moved on. It's in the past. You've owned it and you know, you've dealt with it. So it's like, if the Lord doesn't remember it, who am I to like hold that against you still? And that's something I think that, you know, moving fully past it and is something, you know, and just being able to share that, like Jeff said, is something that we need to be much more open about because yes, like yours was on the extreme end, but it's, you know, everybody has something that they like, nobody is perfect. And rather than you know, kicking people when they're down, it would be so much better to be like, Hey, this is what I'm going through and I need help. Right. And that's, if we were much less judgmental and just more like, Hey, like, you know, it's when someone says that they're going through something, they're reaching out for help and they're reaching out their hand. And so we should obviously grab it and pull them up and help them however we can. Yeah. And, and you know, that's well said. And again, part of owning it is that vulnerability that we're talking about. And, you know, if, if people want to touch me up for that, great. It's, that, that's on them. But if my vulnerability can open up, 
uh, a light and open up the minds of people about addiction and teach them about it and give hope, then that's, you know, that's exactly what I want to do. And, and you're right too, without getting too spiritual, I had to find, I had to really reconnect with the higher power and rely on the atonement of Christ. Like that was a big part of it for me. You know, there's some people who maybe that's not their higher power, but that, but that was mine. And I relied on that big time along with the work that I put into myself. So um, it can be done. And, and, and the vulnerability thing, I'm okay with it. Cause that's me. That's who I am. And I'm okay with who I am. I've come to a place where I love myself and um, I've gotten rid of some of the guilt and shame and um, that allowed me to move forward. That's awesome. Um, now I think, that's a good wrap up point on that. So we do kind of want to talk about some football stuff. So you yeah. obviously BYU is playing ASU this weekend. You signed with ASU out of high school. I don't remember. Did you redshirt there before your mission? Yeah. Right. So you spent a year at ASU kind of how, I guess, what was that path of your decision to transfer or what was it like being at ASU, you know, for a season before you went and kind of what do you think about the game this Saturday? Well, I'm still a big ASU fan as well. You know, I grew up going to all the games with my grandpa and my uncle who their jerseys are retired in the stadium. You know, oh, you got wow. Wizard White and Danny White. So we're, we're a big ASU family. And I can even remember the family making shirts that on the front of the shirt, it said Angel by Day. And on the back, it was Devil <laughs> by Night. I don't know who made those shirts, but I remember them wearing it to the game, which I thought was pretty cool. So um, I, I look forward to the game. Um, Obviously, I'm going to root for the Cougs, but, you know, starting at ASU um, and having that experience was great. I went on my mission. When I came home, I, the, the reason for the transfer had nothing to do with football. It had everything to do with me wanting to get into a better environment and, and put myself in, in the right place for me to succeed. And I am beyond grateful for the experience that I had at BYU, both on and off the field. So it ended up being the right choice. So when you look at this game, I mean, if you're, you're a fan of both teams, sounds like you still follow ASU. What do you see on the field? We have to ask, when we have actual football minds that come in onto the podcast, we have to ask, because we, you know, we think we know, but we don't know anything. What do you actually see when you watch these two teams play, and how do you think this shakes out on Saturday? So I've seen, I've seen a little bit of ASU, and you know, I, I, I try to go by and, and talk to the coaches and the team when I can, and Obviously, I've seen the two BYU games and I was at the last one. I was very, very impressed with BYU. I was way impressed with the defense and the scheme and the preparation that went into that game. And then also the offense got better. They, you can yeah. see improvement from game one to game two. You can see the confidence in Jaron Hall. You can see he didn't make any mistakes in the last game, but at the same time, he used his feet to get out of certain situation and make big plays. So I think ASU has their hands full. Um, I, I know ASU does have some studs. I really like their quarterback. They have some weapons offensively. But I think if BYU's defense can step up like they did last week, if Jaron Hall can take care of the football like he did and make those critical plays that he made, I think the Cougs come out on top. But um, I, I expect this to be a, a close game and a little bit of a dogfight. But I think Cougars have the edge on it. Now you, um, you coach, you're involved with QB elite as well with Ty and does this. So the, I think Jaron, this last off season, he was working with John Beck out in California. Right. But it's, I don't remember. Did you ever work with him previously? Like when he was in high school and anything with your involvement of QB elite or. So I, I think I may have been at a camp once that he okay. was there that years ago. Um, 
and I can't remember if he was there as a college player, or as a high school kid, it's, it's been a while, but he's been around QB elite. Right. And uh, I, I've heard nothing but great things about him from Dustin and Ty and, and how awesome it is working with him. He still does work with QB elite. I know he spent some time with John Beck, who's, you know, obviously I love John and I support him and he's, he's also one of the best out there at mentoring and training quarterbacks. So I think, I think Jaron's just trying to get all the help he can get and all the training and be prepared for this situation. But, you know, QB elite is such a special deal because it focuses on quarterback playing football, but I think they get the bigger picture that there's more to life than football. It's about being a great young man and being respectful, being a good son, you know, brother, whatever, good standing uh, member of the community and preaching those principles outside of just how to throw a football meant a lot to me. And so that's why I'm so proud to be a part of QB elite. And, and I think there's nothing, right. I think that's something too, right. In kind of in your situation, that is very important because a lot of athletes, right. Like once your whole life and your whole identity is wrapped up in being an athlete. And when that goes away, you're like, I don't know what to do now. Like I, I, like I was Max Hall, the quarterback, and now I'm not that anymore. And, and, right. And you're not, and that happens a lot with a lot of former professional athletes, because you started throwing a football, you know, playing flag football when you were six, yeah. And now you're 30 and you know, what else are you doing with your, it's like, it's all gone. And so yeah. I think that's really awesome to hear that they, that they're doing that. Um, yeah. And so, okay. So I just wasn't sure if that, you know, you're like, had seen kind of his progression of, you know, how much you'd seen from, you know, him when he was in high school or early when he got back from his mission versus now um, and how much you'd been around it. But what was it like kind of being back? I don't know. Was that, was the game on Saturday? Like when was the last time you went to a game in Provo? It had been, it had been six or seven years since I had been back to a game in Provo. And um, it's not that I necessarily, you know, I had been to some other BYU games, you know, they played U of A down here one year and went to a Vegas bowl, I think one year, but it was the first time being back. And there definitely was some anxiety going back. Cause I didn't know what it was going to be like with BYU or Utah fans. Mm -hmm. um, so but I tell you what, I am so glad I went. I wasn't going to go to the game until I got a call from Jack Dumani, who's head of football operations. He's, you know, you know, he calls me, Hey bro, are you coming to the game? We want you to run the flag out. And I'm like, Oh, that would be really cool. And I said, Hey, can my son run out with me? If he can run out with me, I'm in. So they said, yeah, absolutely. And so we ended up going to the game and not only a great experience for me, but for, for my wife and my kid, because the fans were so awesome. And I'm talking about BYU and Utah fans. Everybody that I ran into wanted to take a picture or, or say hi or shake my hand or tell me um, they're happy with where I'm at. And it was overwhelming. It was overwhelming when I first walked out on the field and the fans cheered. As I was walking up the, the steps to my seat, the section stood up and cheered. And it was just it was a special moment for me. I wasn't expecting that. And for, for me to have that experience with both fans, both sides of the rivalry, and to still feel that love from BYU was, you know, something I will never forget. And I know my, my family won't forget it either. So very thankful for that and, and just feel blessed to, to be in that situation. That's, That's awesome. super cool. And I, I'm super glad to hear that. And, and, and hopefully, if this is the start of, of Max Hall becoming a fixture in Provo, because we talk to a lot of BYU fans, and 
uh, you're, you're up there. Like, I, I won't ask you to put yourself like where you fall in the BYU tier of quarterbacks, but when it comes to BYU fans, you're right up there on the Mount Rushmore. I mean, of quarterbacks. He's, he's won more games than any other starting quarterback. Oh, yeah. at BYU, so yeah. that, that's got to count for something. Um, <laughs> your story, and, everything just amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you. And you know, it's funny because, you know, you brought this up earlier, but Ty Detmer is the head coach here for the football team. So I'm athletic director, I, offensive coordinator, and it has been so much fun working with him. He's got such a great football mind. The game planning is a blast. He's awesome with the kids. He represents American Leadership Academy and what we stand for. There couldn't be a better guy for the job. And obviously what he's done in his career football-wise brings a very good light to the school and helps us with kids wanting to come here and play and building our program. So, but you know, it's, it's fun because we joke around with each other and I'll be like, Hey Ty, how does it feel to be the second best BYU quarterback <laughs> of all time? And he's like, yeah, that Jim McMahon, you know what I mean? I'm like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, so I always, because, you know, I'm pretty much second to Ty in all the stat categories. I mean, Ty just had a phenomenal career and I'll say to him, I'll be like, Hey, but man, the one stat that counts are those wins, right? Ty, you know what I mean? And you know, then he'll make a comment like, Oh yeah, I'm just mad. I only won one Heisman and not two, you know, just, you know, stuff like that. So we go back and forth, but it's all love and, and, and banter and, like I said, it's it's a true blessing being there with Ty and, and everything that comes with that. But I appreciate you guys bringing that up. Um, I think there's been some great quarterbacks at BYU, obviously, and to even be mentioned with some of those guys is an honor. And, and it's it seemed like there was a little bit of a lull there, right? Like we had Taysom for a few years, but it, we were on, you know, there was obviously the all through the 80s, and it kind of felt like with you and John back-to-back, we're back in that rhythm, and now it kind of seems like with uh, Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall, we're we're back in that, and it's, you know, Jacob Conover is no slouch either, so it seems like we're set up for a good long time. Um, Yes. So what was it like, I guess, in your being around the program? Obviously, you played under Bronco Mendenhall, and kind of now with Kalani and like an entirely new staff, what was I guess kind of what changes have you seen that are different or is there a different vibe around the program or just, I mean, they just obviously Bronco and Kalani have very different approaches and one's not necessarily better than the other. They're just different. Um, But I guess kind of what is going back as a alumni? um, What was that like? You know, I love Bronco Mendenhall. He's my guy. He was my coach and I was willing to, you know, they say run through a brick wall for him and he supported me and encouraged me and, I'm really grateful he was my head coach. Um, When I first met Kalani, I went to a spring practice and I was a little bit nervous. I didn't know how it was going to go. He was at Utah, you know, when I was at BYU coaching. So he coached against me. And um, it's crazy because I went to the practice and he kind of popped his head up and saw me from across the field and he came sprinting over. And he said, Max, he put his arms up. He gave me a huge hug and he goes, man, I love you. I'm glad you're here. You represent us. You're part of the family and welcomed me in right away. And Kalani just has an energy and enthusiasm that's just contagious. And what he's done so far as a coach at BYU, I think is phenomenal. And he is the right guy for the job at this time. He's building a great program. BYU's going into the Big 12 like it's a great time to be a Cougar right now. And Kalani Sataki leading the way is, uh, is the right move, man. I I am very impressed with coach Sataki. And I think that's probably one of my favorite things about him is that he is, he is all in on BYU, right? Like you, sometimes you hear stories about at other schools where there's like, 
new coach comes in and there's kind of some friction between guys that played for the old coach and like, Oh, what is this relationship going to be like? But like, he doesn't care. Right. Like if, if you put on the blue and white, you're one of his guys and it doesn't matter. Like you could have been playing for, I don't even know, like what's his George Romney and like, or Marion, whatever in like 1920 and he'd still be like, Oh, you're my guy. And so that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Hey, the last thing, Max, before we let you go, we, one of, one of our listeners, they asked us a question about a story that was uh, published, I think, by ESPN about you after your first game. And I think it was Larry Fitzgerald. He said, when you came in, your first game in the NFL, you entered the huddle. Larry Fitzgerald said something to the tune of, hey, he's a, he's a man of God, so we won't repeat what he said. But we were surprised <laughs> to be why you guy had to say it. What, what was that huddle like, Max? Like, what was, what was that energy like? So you guys need to know there's a rule. There, there's two places on this earth where you can, your language can be a little bit more <laughs> aggressive. Okay. The first place is the football field. And the second place is the golf course, especially for me with my game. Okay? <laughs> um, but I, I basically got in that huddle and without being vulgar, I said, all right, you guys, we're going right down the field right now and we're going to score. And uh, obviously there was, there was a more to that, but it was, it was funny <laughs> to see the guys look up at me and just be like, oh, okay, this guy means business. He's ready to go. We got some confidence, you know, let's go score. And that, that was the whole point of the comment was just to get the oh, guy awesome. fired up and let him know everything's going to be fine. Let's get this. So that's funny that it got brought up because uh, <laughs> Larry making that comment's funny. It was like one line in an article from 2010. So I'm surprised that <laughs> it made an impact, man. Remembered it. But the, do you, do you still talk to Larry or any of the guys that you played with when your little cup of coffee that you had in the NFL? Yeah. You know, I, I do. Um, not, not a lot, but, but I'll reach out to him once in a while, send him a text and some of the other guys I played with and, Larry's one of my all-time favorite guys, um, you know, because of my relationship with him, I think he's one of the best receivers of all time, which he is, mm -hmm. and to be able to play with him, I remember the first time I threw him a ball, he made some crazy one-handed catch, and I'm just like, this guy's amazing, his work ethic, everything, so yeah, I, I once in a while, and um, you know, I ran into somebody who was around Larry on a golf course or something, and Larry had brought me up and was talking about me and said good things, so Nothing but respect and love for Larry Fitzgerald. He's one of my all-time favorites. The we do have our uh, Max Hall loves me shirts up on our site now, and everything <laughs> that all all the proceeds from that we're going to be donating to uh, athlete to, or addict to athlete. And so uh, we'll have to find a way. We need to find a way to get Larry one of those shirts and get him to take <laughs> a picture for us. So give figure out his address and send it to us, and we'll get him a shirt <laughs> sent his way. I'll see what I could do. That would be great. Cool. Well, thanks again for hopping on and we'll let you go. And uh, do you have anything else that you want to share with, share with our listeners, share with Cougar Nation? You know, th this is basically what I would say is this, you know, one, one of our key phrases, and I know Coach Blue loves this phrase, he's all about turning your mess into a message. And um, what, what has happened over the last two days with this whole shirt thing and everything that's gone on, um, I decided that um, we're going to turn this into a message. And um, um, we're going to shed light on addiction and recovery because that's what's most important. It's people's lives and their struggles and mental health or addiction or anything that they might be going through is more important than any football game or any comments made in a press in a press conference. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's all fun. But 
we need to take addiction seriously, mental health seriously, because people suffer from it. So if we can turn this mess into a message, such, uh, shed some light on it and help others, um, whether that be through the podcast or counseling, or I mean, even just making people aware of it, then that's what I want to do because that's the most important thing in this whole situation. Well said. Well said, and thank you. And thanks again, and uh, give them hell this week. Who do you guys have on Friday? Uh, we have Buckeye. Buckeye's coming to our place. They got some good athletes. Should be a good game, but um, I'm, I'm excited to see our kids bounce back from last week. Awesome. Thanks again for hopping on. And Well, hopefully this isn't the last time that we get to talk to you. Anytime. Bring me on, guys. It's great. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it.